Welcome to On Track, a podcast where we talk with ag and construction professionals to find out how they keep their business on track. I'm Tori Weaver, Director of Sales for Ag and Construction. I'm Alexandria Johnston, National Sales Executive. And I'm Peyton Hines, the Brand Manager. Okay. We're excited to kick off our 2023 season with Ken Gagan, Des Moines Branch Manager for Murphy Tractor and Equipment. Ken, thanks for jumping on with us today. We truly appreciate your time. Not a problem. As we get started, let's talk about your journey. So you've spent time with AIS Construction Equipment in Michigan, and then now Murphy Tractor and Equipment in Iowa, both obviously highly respected uh, construction companies. Can you walk us through some of the highs and lows of your career, how you kind of navigated those times, and then most importantly, what led you to where you are today? Well, I would probably say I'll start with the highs because it's always good to start on a good note. Um, I'm probably at the highs right right now. I mean, I really enjoy what I'm doing. Um, as you said, I'm the branch manager here in Des Moines. Um, Murphy's a good company to work for. I've been with them a little over nine years. Um, I enjoyed AIS uh, immensely when I was there. Um, the lows probably would have been, you know, it started July 10th, 2009. I don't know if we all remember what happened there. GM filed bankruptcy that day. And I, uh, I had the east side of state, which is very automotive and GM uh, oriented. And so I could almost remember where I was in my truck that day when it came on the radio and it was like the world stopped. I mean, people started downsizing. The housing market crashed. Uh, and I mean, uh, so it was very tough in those days, you know, um, selling construction equipment, you know, at least in that part of the world, you know, in that part of the state. So, um, right. So I, took, I, go ahead. It, it definitely took Michigan a while to, to kind of come back from that. And I know yeah. across the U S too. Yeah. Um, how I wound up here is, uh, about 10, 11 years ago, I was going through some things in, uh, in my personal life. And I decided, you know what, it was time for a change. Um, I enjoy the construction industry. I'm kind of an addict almost. Um, so I knew I wanted to stay in the industry. Uh, AIS is a deer dealer. Murphy's a deer dealer. Uh, I mean, it was, you know, uh, a nice fit. And um, so when they offered me the opportunity to come here as a branch manager, um, I took it. And there was, there was bets amongst my friends how long I would stay. Um, I took, I got the over on all my friends. So, you know, I think I took, I won that one. So is it the, is it the house on the golf course that, that keeps you there? Uh, that doesn't hurt, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and honestly, I, I enjoy my, I enjoy my job. You know, I, I really do. So that's awesome. So you've been in the construction industry for 34 years. Yeah. What changes have you seen throughout your career? regarding industry development and what do you envision for the future of our industry you know um i started jotting down some changes so i'm gonna look at my notes because there's been so many you know when i started in this industry it was basically weight horsepower and hydraulics and that's what machines have uh, so it was i'm gonna say very basic and if you guys remember cars when they had roll down windows and everything there was no frills um so What's transpired in the, in, since then is uh, they've taken more into the creature comforts and trying to keep the ergonomics for the operators. You know, air conditioning is almost standard and everything now. Cabs are 
standard and everything where I remember, you know, other than excavators and loaders, nothing had cabs when I first started in this industry. And even the ones with cabs didn't have air conditioning. So the ergonomics have came. Um, also, as price has gone up, uh, production and productivity has really became a focus of the manufacturers. How can we, in simple sense, put more pipe in or move more dirt with the same piece of equipment that we did before? Ergonomics and stuff come into that. Um, you know, I saw through the emission standards, that was a big undertaking. Um, that started probably 12, 13 years ago when they went to the tier two and turned to uh, tier three, then final tier four. Um, that really uh, changed how machines were made and, and, and how they were operated. And now we're getting into uh, what they call total machine control and self-diagnostics, uh, which is, you know, machine basically tells you when it has an issue. And not only does it tell the operator by flashing codes, I get a thing on my email and my service manager, this machine, who it's owned by so-and-so, is having this issue. And it comes right to us. Uh, and then what's coming is we're going to have autonomous vehicles, remote control vehicles. It's going, uh, there's some big pushes now, not necessarily with the deer manufacturer. My son-in-law is an engineer at CAT, so I have to, you know, be nice here. But he works on the autonomous and remote control. And they got over 200 pieces in one mine down in Brazil, you know, where basically people are operating those machines in a nice little, you know, creature comfort um, office. So, and I think we're going to see more and more of that, especially as, as the workforce has diminished, has really, um, for some reason, it is really hard to get young people to want to come into this industry. I sit on uh, two different boards here in Iowa, one with the AGC, which is Association of General Contractors, and NUCA, which is National uh, Utility Contractors Association. And I sit on their workforce development, and it is our talk every day. How do we recruit people into this industry? And and so I think the manufacturers are, are getting okay. We got just as much work to do with less people. How do we do it? And, and that's where you're going to see. You know, where guys can sit in an office and I can be on this job site running a dozer. And okay, that's done. Now I can all of a sudden switch over here and run a dozer on a totally different site and be done. So I think yeah, that's that where we're I think we're seeing that from the manufacturing standpoint too, just in terms of automation coming more and more into the building lines. My husband works in the chipper industry, he used to work in auto and that's mm -hmm. what he does is automation. And I think it's just such a neat concept that we are filling those gaps of we can't find skilled workers. So we are filling that gap with automation robotics and being able to use someone who can just set apart on something. You know, and, and with the GPS controls and all the machines that we have now that hold grade, you know, it's doing more with less people. And I think it's just going to get more and more that way. Yeah. And it, it's not even that it, it's not that I feel like we were initially pushing for it. I think that part of it is, is that we are now filling a gap that we're seeing. And that's actually more important than pushing people out of careers. I would say um, we're filling in those gaps of those people who are choosing not to come into this industry, not to be a part of heavy machinery or equipment or anything like that. Right. And it, and it is, it's just hard to get to recruit people into these industries. You know. It is. And what and, does, and, I'm, I'm yeah. sure you 
kind of seen that over the course of your career. What is what do you think the changes are in that? Why? I mean, I think that being in automotive and being in equipment was a big thing, you know, 20, 30 years ago. What does that, why is that shift happening? You know, I have, uh, that's, you know, $20 million question. I have my own, as I go out and we try, we pay for, we can take students right out of high school and we'll pay for them to go up to tech school to be, a, you know, a John Deere mechanic. Um, and it's a good living, good, paying career and we can't get them and well, this is my personal opinion i think you know everybody is pushed you need a four-year degree you need a four-year degree um that is not true i mean our mechanics and mechanics in this industry make a very very good living i mean it's working with your hands and it's not necessarily the easiest on your body but and it's a rewarding career i mean you yeah. take something that's not working you get to make it work and you know and, and it's a lot more technical, you know, the days of looking at something, yeah, that part's broken. I mean, it, it, if your laptop isn't working, you know, you have a hard time these days. Yeah. Everyone should watch a little more micro. Yeah. Yeah, they should. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of hard work in mechanics. My husband is a truck mechanic and I think there's a lot of hard work, but I also, like you said, there's a rewarding aspect of like, I fixed that and how many of us strive for that. It's interesting that that work loss in workforce is such a big issue just because I look at him and I know he's extremely happy because he's problem solving every day. Mm -hmm. And it's exactly a skill set you can use at home. You, I mean, we all live on farms. It's skill sets that we can take home <laughs> and actually utilize elsewhere. So that's so important for us. Yeah. Well, here in Iowa, I mean, Obviously, there's quite a few farms here, so <laughs> there are a lot of people who, uh, you know, we lose. There are a lot of ag dealers here that, for one reason or another, I don't know if they do better job recruiting, but the farm kids want to stay on the green side yeah. more than the yellow side. So, so we fight that a little bit here. Awesome. That was a that was a great discussion about yeah how this world is changing and how we all need to be aware of it as well. Um, I'm going to lead into the next question real quick, and it's that Murphy Tractor and Equipment spans six states with 31 locations. With such a large company, how does your location contribute to the overall mission of your company? Well, so we broke our we're broken up into different quadrants. Okay, so here in Des Moines, we are we are part of what's called the uh, Plains North. And, and that really encompasses nine branches. Um, the four we have here in Iowa and then five more in Nebraska. Uh, Des Moines and Omaha are by far the two biggest ranches in that region. So, you know, it is essential that we are really good at what we do and we are very efficient and we grow our market share and we grow our business because uh, we are relied on as one of the two branches, and I'm not diminishing the other branches, you know, to help carry our region, you know, and being rural, more rural out here in Nebraska, Kansas, Missouri, and Iowa, um, it, it's a lot tougher than Ohio, where almost half our branches are in Ohio and two in Pennsylvania. So they have a heavier population. And so it, it's a different dynamic, but yet we, we work as a total unit. So every unit has to function. You know, we can't have one branch 
uh, underperforming if we're going to grow like we want to grow. A hundred percent. And I think what kind of comes with the teamwork and the dynamic atmosphere that you're talking about is like, as a manager, how do you maintain a positive attitude in your company's employees? You know, I think it comes down to culture. Uh, a lot of people love to use the word teams and family atmosphere, but we have to establish a culture that no one position is more important than the other. And, and that's what I try and do at our branch. It's our branch. It's not my branch. It's our branch. Every person at this branch is just as important as the next. And it's important that we function as a team. No, it, it, You guys realize in today's world, we don't have, we have to be efficient. There aren't extra people to step in if somebody's not carrying their weight. And I don't, and that goes from an admin to a yard person, to a technician, to a parts person, to even myself. I mean, we are are accountable for our duties that we need to do. And I think as, if you can get people established and buy into, we are, and I'm going to use the word team, but we are addressing a common goal and we want to be the best. And whether that's the best in the Metro Des Moines, what we cover with our com- competitors or the best in Murphy competing against our other branches, you need everybody's buy-in and, and, I, that's what I think we strive for is to, is that to let everybody know they're just as important as the next person. I think that's very crucial to have a successful atmosphere. And as we can, as we can tell, it's a great atmosphere. And I think culture is a great word to use when describing what your company does. Yeah. You, you know, if you ever do the math at how much time you spend at work, how much time you think about work, and then how much time you go home and do the things you have to do. And then that time you sleep, uh, 90% of your waking time is almost spent dealing with work stuff. So you have to have that culture where people, I I hate to say enjoy coming to work, but they don't mind it. I, I enjoy coming to work. I think most people here in Des Moines do. There are days that we can't wait to get home. I, I'll tell you that. Um, but, you, you know, you have to realize that this is where you spend your waking hours. And so, you, you know, you better enjoy it. Yeah, I can definitely tell just even, you know, when we met on on, a, on that plane ride, um, you're like a walking definition of that culture. I, I obviously have never been in your branch, but I would love to because even what you're displaying today, you're passionate about what you do. And that's that's exciting. Um, well, Mary, Mary yeah. can bring you out to the world of pork when she comes out sometime because that's here in Des Moines. Yes, yes, we would love that. <laughs> So a lot of our listeners are branch managers or leaders uh, within their company, just like you. And we all know that running a business certainly has its challenges. There's a lot of things that are unplanned, unpredictable. Maybe it's a move from, you know, good old Michigan to Iowa. Uh, But with that being said, there's been a huge shift in how consumers are buying in the last few years, along with a lot of dealership acquisitions. What are some ways as a manager that you keep Murphy tractor and equipment on track and prepared for that growth and expansion? Well, you hit it on the head and we probably should have addressed that earlier, what things have changed. Um, there is a big difference in the way people buy. I mean, when I started in this industry, there was no internet. There was no checking what anybody else had. I mean, we were out there with a book and pictures, you know? <laughs> so uh, now the consumers are, as knowledgeable or sometimes even more knowledgeable 
than the salesman selling the products because there is so much information available if you want to do the research on the internet you know whether that's technical whether it's pricing whether it's availability whether uh, a myriad of things and we have to be prepared as a company to understand that you know our customers are going to challenge us because they're going to read an article or they're going to seen something or heard something and we have to be ready to address those issues um, so we have to be we have to be more educated on not what's just going on in say the 24 counties in des moines but what goes on in the rest of the murphy's aor and frankly the rest of the country because they're gonna that information's out there and people are gonna want to know well, why do I need to use this here when so and so over there is doing it this way and if you can't answer that you're gonna lose the respect of the customers so I, I, I think it's forced everybody to be instead of tunnel vision with their knowledge they have to have a more broad scope of knowledge yeah I think one I don't thing know if I that... your question or not but <laughs> yeah no it certainly did Tori's you know, told me before you, you you have to know know what you're doing and know why you're doing, you know, what you're selling because people will talk themselves right out of talking to you because they've done all their research on the internet. And like you mentioned, that's definitely been a shift in the way that we market whatever we're passionate about for in construction or ag equipment. You know, there was an old saying when we started in sales, you know, 30 years ago, it, it, you know, if you don't know it, fake it can't do it anymore no. <laughs> you can't you know I mean? no and i our family is one of those people that we we walk into a dealership and we already know what we want to buy and how we want to buy it and how fast we want it there's you're not going to talk me into buying something else or even an attachment to add to it because my husband has probably spent six months researching it and we have now <laughs> researched it into a hole in the ground yeah so, so yeah and and, and they know where and, and there are still people that come in, either their business is growing, it's changing, or you, um, there are obviously spinoffs that happen every day. Somebody leaves and starts their own business, mm -hmm. you, you know, and they might be digging for a little more knowledge and you have to be able to coach them and, and, and coach them on everything. It might be the financing aspect. It might be when the best time to trade, it, you know, there's a lot of other things that we can bring to the table other than, hey, man, this machine can dig 22 feet. You know, everybody can see that, but you know, when's the best time to trade it? When's maintenance and all that other good stuff that that maybe they haven't thought of. And I think that's where you find the dealerships that thrive and survive and grow versus the ones that are being bought out is the guys who care enough to talk to people about those other aspects of equipment ownership and have the relationship outside of just selling them a piece of equipment and letting them walk out the door. Yeah. I mean, our best customers are guys who we sit down and we know all their businesses and we know their financials to some extent and their people and, you know, and everything they're doing and why, you know, because in some, and I think that's where salesmen had to ask, you know, well, why do you want, you know, when a guy comes in and say, I want, you know, a 210, you know, LCS bear. Well, why, what are you going to do instead of, you know, okay, yeah, I'll price it at, you, you know, you need, because sometimes then we learn more about their business and we can help them, you know. Yeah. 
So Ken, we have a couple of questions we ask everyone to close out our podcast. The first one is, if you could go back and tell yourself one thing when you were starting your career, what would it be? I would say, one, be patient. You know, nobody has to take the first job that comes along. I mean, you know, you, you go through school and you're like, hey, I want to get a job. And somebody gives you a job and, you know, and maybe didn't do the research on the company. You know, obviously we can do more now than, you know, way back in when I was a kid. Um, so I would tell people to be patient. I would tell myself, which I think I did a good job of, expand your peer group. You know, people have a tendency to hang around like people. Um, but as you're starting an early career in business and everything, I would tell people, don't hang around all 20-year-olds. You know, have some 40-year-olds, have some 50-year-old friends, and then listen. Don't be the cocky young guy. Sit there and listen to those people who have been in business 10, 15, 20 years. You know, even if it's not the same industry, there are so many things to learn, but you have to listen. If you don't mind me asking, what was your dream job when you were in college? Okay, so I was a construction management major. <laughs> Imagine what I got into. Um, when I came out of school, I had no idea of going into sales at all. I was going to go work for either, uh, you know, a big general contractor, a commercial uh, builder. You know, a lot of guys at that time coming out of MSU went and worked for Pulte Homes, Ryan Homes, a lot of the big developers that and that's the kind of construction industry i thought i was going to go into um didn't work out that way <laughs> and i'm happy for it better, right <laughs> yes it worked out much better yeah so awesome uh as we roll into our last question what's some of the best advice that you've been given in your career when it comes to leadership well i mean there's a cliche lead by example um but i'll expand on that is as a leader, I think you need to set objectives and set goals for your people. You need to hold them accountable to it uh, and they have to be realistic. But also you got to hold yourself accountable. You have to be willing to admit to your staff if you're not keeping up your end of the bargain, because if they if they are doing what they're doing and they look at you and feel that you're not doing, you know, you're not keeping up your end, they aren't going to want to perform. And then I think it's a, a huge necessity. You have to know everybody that, that works with you and your branch. And I'm just not saying by first name, it, you know, take five minutes to talk to them, figure out what makes them tick a little bit. doesn't mean you have to be best friends with everybody. That's not what I'm saying. It, it means you have to show some empathy and sincerity. If people have to, and, and, and they can tell when you fake it, when you just go out there and you're talking to them because you feel you have to. But I, I think a good leader needs to be sincere and he needs to be uh, true to his convictions. and He needs to hold himself accountable because that way um, I feel I'm lucky. The staff here in Des Moines holds himself accountable, you know, because that's what the culture we've developed. And if you can do that, so people start having they, they, they know what's expected and they do it themselves without have them be told. And, and I, th I think that's that's what a good leader does. It's a great message. Can we really appreciate you taking the time today, sharing your wealth of knowledge? Um, you've been in the construction industry for, uh, you know, like we said, 30 plus years um, and just 
giving us and our listeners that knowledge and your experience is is awesome. Um, we're excited to see what yourself as well as your team at Murphy Tractor and Equipment accomplish um, in the months and years to come. We hope to continue to stay updated on that and be a part of that journey. So thank you so much for your time today. Well, thank you for your guys' time. I really appreciated talking to you guys. It was fun. Thank you. Yeah. On Track is brought to you by Tractor, where we are here for you. We're professional problem solvers who use digital advertising and web design to help our clients thrive. Visit Tractor.com for more. That's T-R-A-C-T-R-U.com.